section number ninety nine of china japan and the islands of the pacific this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c the world's story volume one china japan and the islands of the pacific edited by eva march tapan section number ninety nine how a man became a god by lafcadio hearn before telling the story of hamaguchi gohi i must say a few words about certain laws or more correctly speaking customs having all the force of laws by which many village communities were ruled in pre-meji times these customs were based upon the societal experience of ages and though they differ in minor details according to province or district their main signification was everywhere about the same some were ethical some industrial some religious and all matters were regulated by them even individual behavior they preserved peace and they compelled mutual help and mutual kindness sometimes there might be serious fighting between different villages little peasant wars about questions of water supply or boundaries but quarreling between men of the same community could not be tolerated in an age of vendetta and the whole village would resent any needless disturbance of the internal peace to some degree this state of things still exists in the more old-fashioned provinces the people know how to live without quarrelling not to say fighting anywhere as a general rule japanese fight only to kill and when a sober man goes so far as to strike a blow he virtually rejects communal protection and takes his life into his own hands with every probability of losing it the obligation of mutual help in time of calamity or danger was the most imperative of all communal obligations in case of fire especially everybody was required to give immediate aid to the best of his or her ability even children were not exempted from this duty in towns and cities of course things were differently ordered but in any little country village the universal duty was very plain and simple and its neglect would have been considered unpardonable a curious fact is that this obligation of mutual help extended to religious matters everybody was expected to invoke the help of the gods for the sick or the unfortunate whenever asked to do so for example the village might be ordered to make a sendo mari on behalf of some one seriously ill footnote to perform a sendo mari means to make one thousand visits to a temple and to repeat one thousand invocations to the deity 
but it is considered necessary only to go from the gate or the tori of the temple court to the place of prayer and back one thousand times repeating the invocation each time and the task may be divided upon any number of persons ten visits by one hundred persons for instance being quite as efficacious as a thousand visits by a single person End footnote. on such occasions the kumi cho each kumi cho was responsible for the conduct of five or more families would run from house to house crying such and such a one is very sick kindly hasten all to make a sendo mari thereupon however occupied at the moment every soul in the settlement was expected to hurry to the temple taking care not to trip or stumble on the way as a single misstep during the performance of a sendo mari was believed to mean misfortune for the sick now concerning hamaguchi from immemorial time the shores of japan have been swept at irregular intervals of centuries by enormous tidal waves tidal waves caused by earthquakes or by submarine volcanic action these awful sudden risings of the sea are called by the japanese tsunami the last one occurred on the evening of june seventeenth eighteen ninety six when a wave nearly two hundred miles long struck the northeastern provinces of miyagi iwati and omori wrecking scores of towns and villages ruining whole districts and destroying nearly thirty thousand human lives the story of hamaguchi gohi is the story of a like calamity which happened long before the era of miji on another part of the japanese coast he was an old man at the time of the occurrence that made him famous he was the most influential resident of the village to which he belonged he had been for many years its morosa or head man and he was not less liked than respected the people usually called him ojiasen which means grandfather but being the richest member of the community he was sometimes officially re referred to as the choja he used to advise the smaller farmers about their interests to arbitrate their disputes to advance them money at need and to dispose of their rice for them on the best terms possible hamaguchi's big thatched farmhouse stood at the verge of a small plateau overlooking a bay the plateau mostly devoted to rice culture was hemmed in on three sides by thickly wooded summits from its outer verge the land sloped down in a huge green concavity as if scooped out to the edge of the water and the whole of this slope some three-quarters of a mile long was so terraced as to look when viewed from the open sea like an enormous flight of green steps 
divided in the centre by a narrow white zigzag a streak of mountain road ninety thatched dwellings and a shinto temple composing the village proper stood along the curve of the bay and other houses climbed straggling up the slope for some distance on either side of the narrow road leading to the choja's home one autumn evening hamaguchi gohi was looking down from the balcony of his house at some preparations for a merry-making in the village below there had been a very fine rice crop and the peasants were going to celebrate their harvest by a dance in the court of the ujigami footnote shinto parish temple End of footnote the old man could see the festival banners nobori fluttering above the roofs of the solitary street the strings of paper lanterns festooned between bamboo poles the decorations of the shrine and the brightly colored gathering of the young people he had nobody with him that evening but his little grandson a lad of ten the rest of the household had gone early to the village he would have accompanied them had he not been feeling less strong than usual the day had been oppressive and in spite of a rising breeze there was still in the air that sort of heavy heat which according to the experience of the japanese peasant at certain seasons precedes an earthquake and presently an earthquake came it was not strong enough to frighten anybody but hamaguchi who had felt hundreds of shocks in his time thought it queer a long slow spongy motion probably it was but the after-tremor of some immense seismic action very far away the house crackled and rocked gently several times then all became still again as the quaking ceased hamaguchi's keen old eyes were anxiously turned toward the village it often happens that the attention of a person gazing fixedly at a particular spot or object is suddenly diverted by the sense of something not knowingly seen at all by a mere vague feeling of the unfamiliar in that dim outer circle of unconscious perception which lies beyond the field of clear vision thus it chanced that hamaguchi became aware of something unusual in the offing he rose to his feet and looked at the sea it had darkened quite suddenly and it was acting strangely it seemed to be moving against the wind it was running away from the land within a very little time the whole village had noticed the phenomenon apparently no one had felt the previous motion of the ground but all were evidently astounded by the movement of the water they were running to the beach and even beyond the beach to watch it no such ebb had been witnessed on that coast within the memory of living man things never seen before were making apparition unfamiliar spaces of ribbed sand and reaches of weed-hung rock 
were left bare even as hamaguchi gazed and none of the people below appeared to guess what that monstrous ebb signified hamaguchi gohi himself had never seen such a thing before but he remembered things told him in his childhood by his father's father and knew all the traditions of the coast he understood what the sea was going to do perhaps he thought of the time needed to send a message to the village or to get the priests of the buddhist temple on the hill to sound their big bell but it would take very much longer to tell what he might have thought that it took him to think he simply called to his grandson tada quick very quick light me a torch tamimasu or pine torches are kept in many coast dwellings to use on stormy nights and also for use at certain shinto festivals the child kindled a torch at once and the old man hurried with it to the fields where hundreds of rice stacks representing most of his invested capital stood awaiting transportation approaching those nearest the verge of the slope he began to apply this torch to them hurrying from one to another as quickly as his aged limbs could carry him the sun-dried stalks caught like tinder the strengthening sea-breeze blew the blaze landward and presently rank behind the rank the stacks burst into flame sending skyward columns of smoke that met and mingled into one enormous cloudy whirl tada astonished and terrified ran after his grandfather crying oji-san why oji-san why why but hamaguchi did not answer he had no time to explain he was thinking only of the four hundred lives in peril for a while the child stared wildly at the blazing rice then burst into tears and ran back to the house feeling sure that his grandfather had gone mad hamaguchi went on firing stack after stack till he had reached the limit of his field then he threw down his torch and waited the acolyte of the hill temple observing the blaze set the big bell booming and the people responded to the double appeal hamaguchi watched them hurrying in from the sands and over the beach and up from the village like a swarming of ants and to his anxious eyes scarcely faster for the moment seemed terribly long to him the sun was going down the wrinkled bed of the bay and a fast sallow speckled expanse beyond it lay naked to the last orange glow and still the sea was fleeing toward the horizon really however hamaguchi did not have very long to wait before the first party of succor arrived a score of agile young peasants who wanted to attack the fire at once but the choja holding out both arms stopped them let it burn lads he commanded let it be i want the whole mura here there is great danger tahenda the whole village was coming and hamaguchi 
counted all the young men and boys were soon on the spot and not a few of the more active women and girls then came most of the older folk and mothers with babies at their backs and even children for children could help to pass water and the elders too feeble to keep up with the first rush could be seen well on their way up the steep ascent the growing multitude still knowing nothing looked alternately in sorrowful wonder at the flaming fields and at the impassive face of their choja and the sun went down grandfather is mad i am afraid of him sobbed tada in answer to a number of questions he is mad he set fire to the rice on purpose i saw him do it as for the rice cried hamaguchi the child tells the truth i set fire to the rice are all the people here the kimicho and the heads of families looked about them and down the hill and made reply all are here or very soon will be we cannot understand this thing kita shouted the old man at the top of his voice pointing to the open say now if i be mad through the twilight eastward all looked and saw at the edge of the dusky horizon a long lean dim line like the shadowing of a coast where no coast ever was a line that thickened as they gazed that broadened as a coastline broadens to the eyes of one approaching it yet incomparably more quickly for that long darkness was the returning sea towering like a cliff and coursing more swiftly than the kite flies tsunami shrieked the people and then all shrieks and all sounds and all power to hear sounds were annihilated by a nameless shock heavier than any thunder as the colossal swell smote the shore with a weight that sent a shudder through the hills and with a foam burst like a blaze of sheet lightning then for an instant nothing was visible but a storm of spray rushing up the slope like a cloud and the people scattered back in panic from the mere menace of it when they looked again they saw a white horror of sea raving over the place of their homes it drew back roaring and tearing out the bowels of the land as it went twice thrice five times the sea struck and ebbed but each time with lesser surges then it returned to its ancient bed and stayed still raging as after a typhoon on the plateau for a time there was no word spoken all stared speechlessly at the desolation beneath the ghastliness of hurled rock and naked riven cliff the bewilderment of scooped-up deep-sea rack and shingle shot over the empty site of dwelling and temple the village was not the greater part of the fields were not even the terraces had ceased to exist 
and of all the homes that had been about the bay there remained nothing recognizable except two straw roofs tossing madly in the offing the after terror of the death escaped and the stupefaction of the general loss kept all lips dumb until the voice of hamaguchi was heard again observing gently that was why i set fire to the race here their choja now stood among them almost as poor as the poorest for his wealth was gone but he had saved four hundred lives by the sacrifice little tada ran to him and caught his hand and asked forgiveness for having said naughty things whereupon the people woke up to the knowledge of why they were alive and began to wonder at the simple unselfish foresight that had saved them and the headmen prostrated themselves in the dust before hamaguchi gohi and the people after them then the old man wept a little partly because he was happy and partly because he was aged and weak and had been sorely tired my host remains he said as soon as he could find words automatically caressing tada's brown cheeks and there is room for many also the temple on the hill stands and there is shelter there for the others then he led the way to his house and the people cried and shouted the period of distress was long because in those days there were no means of quick communication between the district and district and the help needed had to be sent from far away but when better times came the people did not forget their debt to hamaguchi gohi they could not make him rich nor would he have suffered them to do so even had it been possible moreover gifts could not have sufficed as an expression of their reverential feeling towards him for they believed that the ghost within him was divine so they declared him a god and therefore called him amaguchi daimujin thinking they could give him no greater honor and truly no greater honor in any country could be given to a mortal man and when they rebuilt the village they built a temple to the spirit of him and fixed about the front of it a tablet bearing the name in chinese text of gold and they worshipped him there with prayer and with offerings how he felt about it i cannot say i know only that he continued to live in his old thatched home upon the hill with his children and his children's children just as humanly and simply as before while his soul was being worshipped in the shrine below a hundred years and more he has been dead but his temple they tell me still stands and the people still pray to the ghost of the good old farmer to help them in times of fear or trouble 
End of section 99. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.